WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Fueled by Lucky Station. With SRN News, I'm Gordon Griffin. A gun control bill hits the Senate. Here's correspondent Linda Kenyon with more. Senator Richard Blumenthal says his bill red flags a person believed to be dangerous to himself or others. A federal protection risk order or red flag will help to save lives. Co-sponsor of the bill, Senator Lindsey Graham, says it allows law enforcement or family members to get a court order to block the sale or ownership of a gun to someone believed to be dangerous. It also allows that person to appeal. So this is not about losing your gun rights easily. This is about intervening at a time it would matter. Had such intervention been in place in Parkland, Florida, says Senator Graham, maybe the 17 people killed there would be alive today. Linda Kenyon, Washington. President Trump spoke in Pennsylvania yesterday. He was stumping for GOP congressional candidate Rick Saccone in a special election. This is SRN News. Michael Medved talks the economics of Social Security. Social Security doesn't break even. It costs the government money. In 1935, the reason it worked so well was the average age of death was 67. The life expectancy has been going up every year. And the Social Security payments have not gone up as much. The entire program is going to need some adjustments to make it sustainable. The Michael Medved Show, afternoons at 2 on AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. You're listening to AM to Already the Patriot Intelligent Radio. Coming up next is Brad Carlson, the closer, the second half of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, so don't go anywhere. First, we'll give you a quick weather update, a high of 39 degrees and clouds for all of today. Don't get used to it, though. The rest of the week is 35 and sunny on Monday, 34 and sunny on Tuesday, 41 and sunny on Wednesday, and then all the way up to 48 degrees and sunny on Thursday. Spring is coming. Coming up next, Brad Carlson, the closer on AM1280, the Patriot. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast. We call the like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the broadcast. And uh, hopefully... Uh, you've taken a nap and are raring to go for the show today. That you, Assuming you set your clocks forward an hour, you remember to do so. <laughs> Again, the number is 651-289-4488. That is the number to call in if you'd like to comment on any of the uh, show content today. You could also use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show, hashtag NarnShow to comment on any uh, of the aspects of the broadcast today. And as always, we appreciate you. Uh, tuning in. A lot to get to today on the broadcast, so we don't want to waste precious broadcast time. Uh, whenever there is uh, some national news going on, I like to call in a guy that uh, always seems to have his finger on the pulse, and who better than uh, Matt McCoviak? He is a national political wonk, founder of Potomac Strategy Group, and the host of the Mac on Politics podcast. If you're not checking that out, I can't emphasize enough, you're doing the Internet incorrectly. Check it out, MacOnPolitics.com. That's M-A-C-K, MacOnPolitics.com. Given uh, Matt's vast connections in the political world, he always has some 
very high-quality guests on. And uh, as always, we appreciate uh, Matt Makoviak's time uh, to join us. Hey, Matt, how are you today, sir? Hey, Brad, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate you having you on. Like I say, Matt, uh, I, like I said at the outset, a lot to get to. So I guess we want to get right to it. Uh, it was announced this past week that uh, President Trump, over the next couple of weeks, will be meeting with uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un on talks of uh, a denuclearization program. Uh, we've been down this road before, Matt Mikoviak, back in 1994, where Bill, when then-President Bill Clinton declared the world much safer because uh, they were uh, North Korea was going to disarm. And, of course, the famous photograph of uh, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright and then North Korean leader Kim Jong-il kind of toasting uh, with the champagne glasses. Uh, We certainly remember 2003, the six-party talks, including the United States and South Korea and China and others, uh, that seemingly led to an agreement that North Korea was going to cease its program. That fell apart within six years. Um, I guess the natural question is, Matt Makoviak, how is this time going to be different? Yeah, it's a great question. And you've seen, uh, certainly among Republicans on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, some doubt that um, that this can be different, uh, given you know the, the behavior that we've seen from the North Korean regime. Of course, you have a different leader uh, in office now than you did uh, in those previous instances back right. when the Clinton administration negotiated on the six-party talks in Um Look, here's the thing I think that's so important, and that is um, the Trump administration from the very beginning has been employing what they're calling their maximum pressure campaign on North Korea, and. You know, a lot of people are out there criticizing Trump for agreeing to do the meeting and and maybe, you know, doing it quickly and maybe not talking to looping in every single advisor. Uh, And I think some of that criticism is reasonable. But the thing to understand here is that the maximum pressure campaign is real, um, and it it has made a real difference in North Korea. Um, The the two most sweeping sanctions packages ever passed in the United Nations uh, against North Korea have been passed under Trump, uh, under uh, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, um, you see, you know, you look at just everything that's happened there economically, diplomatically. They've isolated North Korea. Their economy uh, is taking a real hit. It's very hard to see how closed that society is to get good data. But a lot of the data comes from China. Uh, and the North Korean regime is feeling the pressure. Um, they're having trouble getting fuel, food and fuel uh, into the country. And that, that is obviously going to take a toll. So um, you did have this uh, sort of uh, opening up with the Olympics, with the North Koreans being willing to meet with the South Koreans and offer a uh, unified uh, Korean team, I think, in a couple sports. And so that was the first step. But it, what's important here also is just the, the chronology. South, Korean, uh, South Koreans went to Pyongyang this week, I think early in the week, met with Kim Jong-un, had, had a, a boozy dinner that I think the Washington Post reported on, uh, where Un, uh, Kim Jong-un uh, expressed an interest to meet with Trump and, and wanted to make that invitation. South Koreans decided to fly directly to Washington after that dinner. You can imagine that's not an easy trip to make. Of course. Um, they, they, they came right in. They were meeting with some other White House officials. Trump heard they were in the building. He went over and met with them as well. This is the South Korean National Security Advisor. And he said, listen, the North Korean leader uh, is willing to meet with you and wants to invite you to, to meet with him uh, to discuss de- denuclearization. And so they sort of summarized what the North Korean leader said at the dinner that they had. Uh, and Trump said, I'll meet with him. And he said, but listen, I want you all to make the announcement from the White House. And so that's why you had this striking uh, scene at the White House. I forget if that was Wednesday or Thursday of the uh, South Korean National Security Advisor announcing from the steps of the White House that this meeting would happen before May. Now, look, there's a lot that still has to happen. Where's the meeting going to happen? Who's going to participate? Are there preconditions? 
how do both sides uh, describe, you know, the, the terms of the meeting? Is there an international uh, verification regime in place, and what would that be? So there's a lot, there's a lot there, Brad. Obviously, but um, but look, I, I think uh, we we have to sort of um, keep our expectations in check. If a deal could get done and it was a real deal that was verifiable, it would be a massive victory, not just for Trump, but also for the world and for peace uh, across the world. Um, but if a deal doesn't get done, they're, they're going to continue the maximum pressure campaign. The sanctions remain. The isolation remains. Um, and, and that's, that's you know, what will happen going forward. A lot of people who have, uh, obviously do this for a living regarding uh, national security and diplomatic relations and what have you have conveyed that uh, Kim Jong-un, the current North Korean leader, is little more than a sort of a tin, tin, pot, di- uh, tin pot dictator in that he likes to have his power, likes to exert his power in that. You know, the buildup of nuclear weapons is little more than saber-rattling because this is a guy who's not going to want to engage in mutually assured destruction, knowing that if he launches a nuke, that's pretty much the end of his regime as we know it. Uh, so I guess what what is what I, I, I mean, I don't I, I can't say that we can pretend to read the mind of someone like a Kim Jong-un. But what is kind of the his end game here? It's certainly I don't he's think serious about wanting to launch nukes and cause, like I say, mutually assured destruction, but the program doesn't seem to be ceasing uh, also because the the constant uh, missile tests and the threatening of of Guam and that sort of thing. So I guess uh, to shorten my question, Matt, what can we deem as success coming out of these particular negotiations, assume that they go ahead as planned? Yeah, I mean, one of the criticisms that you've seen some people offer in the last few days is, well, you know, Trump is allowing the North Korean regime to meet with him, which is uh, a valuable thing. It's it's a win for North Korea, and he's not getting any meaningful concessions. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, the fact that the North Koreans told the South Koreans to put denuclearization on the table is, to some extent, a victory. Mm-hmm. The fact that, it, that, that the North Koreans said they will not be testing any more ballistic or missiles or any more nuclear tests between now and when the meeting occurs, that's significant, and that's a victory as well. Now, are those significant victories? Maybe not quite yet, uh, but again, what you want to see is you want to see de-escalation along this pathway, uh, de-escalation on, on both sides. And obviously, the U.S. expressing an interest in meeting, expressing an interest in meeting pretty quickly here in the next two months, uh, is a positive sign. Look, ultimately, the North Korean problem uh, really cannot be solved militarily. You can do tremendous damage to the regime. You can weaken their nuclear capability. Could decimate uh, the leadership of the regime in the military, but given all the artillery they have pointing directly at South Korea, uh, any and, and and the lack of knowledge that we have about their nuclear program it would be mm. huge, you know, very risky right. uh, to, to 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 do a first strike military uh, effort. So I guess the question is, you know, can they can they, uh, can they move forward with talks where they can put a framework together that would work for all sides? What does North Korea want out of this? They want the sanctions w- removed. And they're only going to get that if they agree to denuclearize um, in a verifiable way and that they take you know, meaningful steps along that path. Now, one of the risks to this is there's a risk that Kim Jong-un is not serious. Mm-hmm. There's a risk that he's doing this to buy more time to complete his nuclear weapons program. Right. If you look at it from his standpoint, I don't believe he's a rational actor. But the one thing about the North Koreans that I think is rational is they believe as long as they possess nuclear weapons, they can never be attacked. Uh, and, they, and, and what they're most worried about is they're most worried about uh, South Korea and, uh, attacking North Korea and, and trying to unify, uh, re- reunify Korea. That's what they're most worried about. Okay. And so if they could get some type of deal that's, that, 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 that uh, requires South Korea and the United States to promise never to attack uh, North Korea as long as they denuclearize, 
That, I think, is the kind of deal that you could have come together. Probably not at one meeting in May. It would be a series of meetings that would have to happen over time. But again, if they continue to make meaningful progress, again, I think that would be both politically meaningful in the United States, but it would be very meaningful around the world as well. One of the, and, and how maybe uh, a lot of people draw comparisons to the uh, Iran nuclear deal that was uh, uh, put together on, during the Obama administration, and one of the uh, aspects of it is that uh, there has to be, and to your point, Matt, you mentioned that, you know, is there a verifiable de-escalation? Uh, do you think that's something that is going to be seriously broached about uh, random inspections, which were supposed to take place under Iran, but they could easily push it out three and a half weeks to the point where any activity could easily be covered up? I'm, is this something that could possibly be brought to the table by the United States where there would be some random checks uh, to, to, to verify de, uh, de-escalation? Yeah, and I think the advantage here is that you have a change administration, and so, you know, I think there's a pretty clear sense now of where the Iran deal uh, didn't work, uh, what the mistakes were. I mean, I think you can make a very strong argument that it never should have been entered into in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you if you were going to enter into it, you know, and you could analyze the Iran deal now and see what has worked and what hasn't. Um, obviously, giving them, you know, huge amounts of money up front uh, doesn't work. Removing sanctions up front doesn't work. Um, and obviously, the Iranian regime and the North Korean regime are very different, and there are different regional players. Obviously, Japan, China, South Korea, they all have a real stake in what happens in North Korea in different ways. Uh, and that's a different threat than the Iranian threat. One of the other threats about the North Korean regime as, as they continue to develop their nuclear program um, is whether they're uh, willing to um, you know, export uh, their nuclear technology and even nuclear weapons to other countries or, other, or to other non-state actors. And that's a real risk here as well. So, you know, time is of the essence, and I think that's part of why look, Trump likes taking executive action. He doesn't like talking to a lot of people. He doesn't like deferring to Congress. He likes things where he can make decisions and see things happen in a short period of time, just as he did when he was in business. And so I don't think, you know, six months ago he probably would have agreed to meet with the North Koreans. I think this is actually uh, the result of a process that's been, been, been underway for some time. Um, but I do think that uh, that North Korea is willing to meet with the Americans because of what America has done, the leadership they've shown uh, around the world, with the, the incredible military deterrent that we have, with the joint military exercises that we've done with South Korea and Japan, with the, with the unprecedented sanctions uh, that are placed against North Korea, with strengthening our, our uh, ally relationships with Japan and South Korea, um, and even uh, you know persuading China to put more pressure on North Korea than they've ever done before. These things have all taken a toll. When, when taken, uh, you know, in, in combination, and I don't know that Trump is getting the full. Trump and his administration are getting the full credit for bringing North Korea to the bargaining table. Well, again, we have to see exactly what you know what the deal is and what the, um, uh, you know, what what the result of all this is. Sure. Um, but obviously, the fact that they're talking, I think, is very good news. We have to see what it means. And that is part one of my interview with uh, political wonk Matt Makoviak. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk 2018 midterm elections. That's part two of our interview with uh, political wonk Matt Makoviak coming up in mere moments right here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. I could 
Hey, Twin Cities, Dennis Prager here. If you've been to an AM 1280, the Patriot event, or to their station, then you've seen the expert work of Action Plus Sign. This local business of over 25 years specializes in vehicle graphics and wraps, storefront and lighted signs, which you can even convert to new LED and more. When it comes down to it, the folks at Action Plus are less talk and more action. They exemplify true Patriot grit. Visit them online to check out a list of all their services at actionplussign.com. The following statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Remember that sinking feeling when you first noticed your hair was thinning? You probably thought, this can't be happening to me. Factors like stress, aging, or hormones can cause hair thinning. Fix your thinning hair with Viviscal, the number one selling healthy hair supplement in the U.S. 100% drug-free Viviscal has proven clinical results and is specially formulated with a proprietary marine-based complex and other nutrients that work in harmony to reduce hair shedding and increase volume and thickness. And two little tablets daily are all you need. Discover the secret A-list celebrities, hairstylists, and millions of women have fallen in love with. Right now, try Viviscal risk-free for 90 days and get free shipping. And be sure to ask about our exclusive men's formula. For your 90-day risk-free trial and free shipping, call 800-301-1493. 800-301-1493. That's 800-301-1493. I'm Jan Markill, helping you understand the times. Okay, this sermon's entitled, Billy Graham, False Prophet Till Death. Recently, the world lost its greatest evangelist, Pastor Billy Graham. He was a counselor to presidents and a man inspired by God to preach salvation through Jesus Christ. Millions will be in eternity because of his convicting messages. Yet some in the Christian discernment community mocked him before he was even buried. They called him a compromiser and demeaned him. The world looks at this and is perplexed that Christians can be this mean-spirited. We are all flawed humans human beings. No one is perfect. Let's think before we speak ill of another. Let's examine ourselves before we throw such stones. For more information, visit our website, olivetreeviews.org, for our complete radio program, also heard each weekend on this station. Make plans now to join the Patriots Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, and Mike Gallagher for the 2018 Aloha Talkers Cruise. Sail around and explore the world's most beautiful islands. Then at night, gather together with Hugh, Larry, and Mike for a special time discussing a fresh course for this nation. The 2018 Aloha Talkers Cruise sets sails for seven days, August 11th through the 18th. For all the details about this cruise, visit am1280thepatriot.com and book your trip today. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson. The Closer, closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network programming. Part one of my interview with political wonk Matt Makoviak could be heard. The first segment, we talked about uh, Trump going to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un regarding nuclear de-escalation. Uh, we spent the second segment talking about the 28 midterm, 2018 midterm elections. Is that Democrat blue wave coming uh, for Congress? Well, we'll hear what uh, political walk Matt McCoviak has to say about that. Part two of our interview right here.
Want to uh, switch gears here, Matt, to the uh, 2018 midterms. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the Democrats were hoping that a, uh, a blue wave would take place. And again, Election Day is eight months out. Certainly a lot can happen in these next eight months. But if 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 the election were held today, I don't see the Democrats uh, taking over the House of Representatives. And the Senate always seemed to be a tall task simply because the majority of seats up for reelection are held by uh, Democrats. But uh, before we get to some of those, I do want to at least look on the Republican side. Most of those uh, eight or well, now there's nine seats with Thad Cochran uh, retiring and probably going to be a special election in Mississippi. But of the Republican seats up, what do we know about uh, Arizona? I mean, is it basically a battle between Kelly Ward and Joe Arpaio for the Republican nomination now that Jeff Flake is moving on? And if and if that's the case, uh, I have to believe Arizona quickly moves into the battleground category. I'm at McGoviak. No, I, I, you know, Congresswoman Martha McSally, who was a decorated Air Force pilot, uh, is also running in that, that in that primary. You know, okay. I, I expect ultimately that she will be the nominee. You can't guarantee that. Obviously, Republican primaries are very unpredictable, but she's going to have the most money, the most organization, and she's going to be able to make a case that she can win the general election. And I don't believe Joe Arpaio or, or Kelly Ward can 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 win the primary, but she can win the general election. And I think the fact that Arpaio got in at all weakens. Uh, the hand of, of, of Kelly Ward. It splits that conservative sort of grassroots vote. Okay. But look, there's a risk. There's a risk that one of them uh, wins it and, and that they ultimately give to that valuable U.S. Senate seat to the Democrats. You know, the other, obviously, incumbent uh, Republican seat that's that's very much in play is Nevada. Yes. Senator Dean Heller. And, um, you know, Heller made a statement this week about how if uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy retires uh, this summer, which uh, a number of people have been claiming uh, very well may happen, um, that that will be important for his re-election because it will remind people of the, the importance of the Supreme Court and it will be a very clear, right, right difference between his candidacy and the Democratic nominee. So we'll have to see. I mean, those are two tough states. They're Hispanic, you know, large Hispanic population states, um, state where Republicans, states where Republicans have had some trouble in the past, states where Trump is probably not that popular. So those are, those are a risk. But if you look at the other states, particularly the 10 states that Democrats are running in re-election in states that Trump won in November. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was a poll this week, I think I forget if it was Morning Consult or who it was, but there was a poll this week that Axios reported on that had sort of incumbent favorability on the Democrats versus sort of generic Republican favorability. Republicans were leading in, I want to say, six or seven of those 10 states. So, I, you know, I've been saying on Twitter this week that I really think there's a decent chance Republicans are going to pick up seats in the Senate, almost irrespective of whether they lose the House or not. And I know that probably sounds incongruous, but the Senate and the House are different. House, mm-hmm. uh, the House is about specific districts and specific areas, and, you know, suburban areas or states of California and Illinois. The Senate, these are statewide elections, and they're in particular states that have their own dynamics. And they obviously are, are, are states where you have either a Republican or a Democratic incumbent that has their own baggage. So we'll see kind of how it all plays out and the primaries play out, how the political environment plays out. But I'm still pretty bullish on Republican, Republican chances to grow their majority, certainly not lose the Senate majority, but grow their majority in the Senate while I, am, while I remain concerned about the House. Yeah, that's an excellent point, and I, I'm glad you brought up some of those states. Uh, I, and I think I saw a similar article to that. Uh, of those 10 states where Democrat incumbents are up for re-election that Trump won, I think uh, five of those, uh, or maybe even six, are where Trump has a approval rating of 50% or more. So certainly he could be uh, a help there. I guess uh, let's take a look specifically at uh, North Dakota, Heidi Heitkamp, 
up for a very tough re-election battle. Looks like uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer got in the uh, race recently. Uh, he, ha- I don't know if he has any uh, opposition for the GOP nominee, but he would definitely have to be the front runner. But aside from that, Heidi Heitkamp uh, voted against the uh, bill in the Senate that would have uh, uh, banned abortions past 20 weeks, and then also voted, well, like all re- Democrats did, voted against uh, tax reform. Those are very two big issues in North Dakota where the majority of North Dakotans were in favor of those issues. Heidi Heitkamp voted against those. Uh, that Would you agree, Matt, that that probably would be the most uh, likely flip of if you had to just pick one out of all of them? Yeah, probably so. Um, you know, I think you can you can probably separate the ten states in tiers a little bit. And of course, some of it depends on on the Republican primary, which candidates come out, and, and, and things like that. But but sure, I would probably put North North North, I was say North Korea, North Dakota as the number one number one contest. Sure, um, because High Camp obviously uh, is in her first term, so she's not as strong as someone as say someone uh, someone like Joe Manchin, who'd been governor and has been there a while. Uh, but look, a lot of these Senate Democrats have similar problems, and that is they have not meaningful, meaningfully broken with their party. Uh, right. You know, in the first year of the Trump presidency, you, you know, you raise the twenty-week uh, abortion ban, this is the tax law. You know, it's another situation. Supreme Court nominee, some of the other judges. Um, you know, the Senate has obviously not been able to take up as much legislation because they haven't been able to get sixty votes, and they have dedicated a lot of floor time to, to judicial nominees rather than legislation that they know doesn't have 60 votes. But, yeah, I would put North Dakota probably at the top. I mean, Kevin Kramer said no initially, and uh, the Republicans worked really, really, really hard to, re- to recruit him to make him change his mind, and he did. And I think he's if he's not ahead now. He's probably It's probably 50-50, but I think he's in you know, very good shape. But I would say that there are two or three other states that I'm really looking at. I think Missouri, Claire McCaskill is, is a pretty weak incumbent. I think that, you know, you got to remember Trump won Missouri by a really strong margin. Mm-hmm. You know, I do believe that we have a very good chance to win West Virginia. They have a three-way Republican primary with their sitting attorney general, uh, with uh, Congressman Evan, Evan Jenkins, and with a self-funding businessman. So I don't know how that is going to play out. But I think any of those three candidates could win. Uh, so I, I'd put those three right at the top. You know, you could also uh, certainly put Indiana in there, where you have two congressmen running in the Republican primary against state, uh, U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly, um, and and even Florida, where where Governor Rick Scott, who you know did just uh, take pass some sweeping gun control legislation at the state level, you know, he's going to be able to put fifty million dollars in and run against Bill Nelson, uh, who I think is a fairly weak incumbent in a pretty Republican state. Um, so look, I think as I said before, I mean I think there's a chance in a good year if, if these guys run good campaigns, they could win five or six or even eight Senate seats, given the way the map uh, sets up. In a bad year, I still think they win at least two, and maybe they lose two, and it's a net of zero. But uh, we have to see exactly what the environment is. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I know that there's some, uh, obviously, some states that we're not even really uh, considering yet that uh, could come into play. I mean, you obviously alluded to Florida. Uh, the one I want to uh, look specifically on, typically a, uh, a, a ruby-red state like uh, Montana, where Democrat John Tester, we understand, you know, he won in 2006. That was a, a Democrat wave. We certainly understand. And then 2012, obviously, rode the Obama coattails. Uh, what do you know about that uh, state in particular? I mean, given the uh, demographics, you would think that that would be ripe for a Republican pickup. But I, to be honest with you, Matt, haven't heard uh, much about Montana. What could you tell us about that one? Yeah, and I, I worked uh, for the incumbent Republican U.S. Senator who John Tester defeated narrowly uh, in 2006, Conrad Burns. Um, okay. And there was, there was the Abramoff scandal was part of that race. And as you said, it was a wave year. That was when the Iraq war was, was uh, sort of, uh, you know, the public was, was most negative about it. 
It was obviously Bush's second uh, second term. It was also in the midst of the, the Mark Foley Page scandal. Yes. Uh, and then Burns had his move off uh, problems at that time. So, uh, but, but even then, Tester only won by about half a percent. He won by about 3,000 votes. Uh, but he was reelected. Look, Montana, the, the issue in Montana is, um, in some ways, that state has been trending blue at the statewide level. Okay. Uh, I believe Republicans have the Office of Attorney General, but I don't believe they have any other statewide offices. It's possibly a Secretary of State. I can't remember, but they don't have governor. They don't have lieutenant governor. They don't have uh, – they have one of, the, one of the two U.S. Senate seats with Steve Daines. But the problem is that they just haven't recruited a first-year candidate. Okay. Um, you know, Ryan Zinke, who's the Interior Secretary, who was the congressman for Florida, was very, very likely to be the U.S. Senate candidate, and Trump plucked him out of oblivion and put him in at Interior, which is something I know that really frustrated Senate Republicans who are really looking to take – that seat back. Um, and then you, the, the current congressman, I think, who got elected in the special election is not going to run. So I don't even really remember. I think there's a couple of state legislators that are looking at it. I know the state, sitting state attorney general, Tim Fox, uh, has not has decided not to run for U.S. Senate. So right now, Tester is not facing a first-year challenger, and that is a real risk. Now, could they still win? It's possible. I think, again, Tester is in a similar position to someone like Heitkamp. Uh, he has not found meaningful ways to break with the Democratic Party uh, on issues that that, uh, that he could and that he probably should. Uh, maybe he's trying to get past his own primary. I don't know. But these Democrats have just really been lockstep with their party. And I think that that is going to be a problem in November, particularly on the tax bill as it continues to become more popular and continues to uh, help uh, grow the economy. Once again, we are joined by Matt Mikowiak. Uh, he, a political walk, uh, founder of uh, Potomac Strategy Group. And also the host of the very fine podcast, Mac on Politics. Again, be sure to check that out. MacOnPolitics.com. That's M-A-C-K, MacOnPolitics.com. Again, we were talking North Korea and 2018 midterms. Uh, Matt, I appreciate your time today again on such uh, short notice. I know a lot of big news uh, from this past week, and uh, always appreciate you uh, sharing the time. And uh, we will definitely uh, catch up with you in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Brad. Take care. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. I'm Pastor David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. I've been in the ministry for over 30 years now, and because the Lord has continued to bless my business endeavors, I've never had to take a salary from the church, which has been a huge blessing in my life and a great way for me to give back to the Lord's work. I'd like to share with you my thoughts on the importance of the family business. You know, these days, people send their children to college to learn a trade that no one in the family has done before. They move away, they work for someone who doesn't love them, and then they trade their infinitely valuable time for a little bit of someone else's money. The old plan was to get a job but lay aside each month and later start a family business. As the owner, you leverage the time of others and earn off hundreds of man hours per day. It's called financial leverage. The added benefit is that each generation teaches the next and builds on these skill sets and your children have the competitive advantage of experience. That's a great plan for potentially creating generational wealth. 
Tradeway offers you the vehicle to start such a family business by teaching you how to trade in the stock market. Perhaps you're intimidated or confused by the world of investing, but Tradeway is here to help you break down that confusing world of finance so that you can understand it. We're not your typical big Wall Street investment advisory firm. We keep it fun, simple, and personal day from one. We offer our students a powerful education on how to trade in the U.S. stock and options market, coupled with sound investment advice, and all from our family business. We're here to help you reach your biggest goals through taking small steps. Join us and bring your family. Coming to the Sheraton St. Paul Woodbury, April 13th and 14th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723 or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. I started my adventure as an aerospace medical technician. Flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. Satellite system operator. As a space systems operator. I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration. We deliver the world's timeliest environmental intelligence data. Flying to Afghanistan, bringing wounded warriors back to Germany. We take care of injured personnel on a daily basis. And then flying them from Germany back to the States. As a member of the Thunderbirds, I get to be a part of a team that passes on the message of the United States Air Force Reserve to the U.S. and the world. It's a very exciting career. One of the greatest things about the Air Force Reserve is all the different opportunities. The training the Air Force Reserve is second to none. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. The Air Force Reserve actually paid for my education, which allowed me to commission. It was definitely a bonus. Probably the most exciting thing I've done is support humanitarian relief operations in places like Haiti. The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did. Being able to travel. Enjoy the getaways that I get, and I enjoy the camaraderie and fellowship I share with all my unit mates. We're really close-knit. We're unique. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve. Hey, there we are, AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another segment on the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the show today. You can catch my friend and colleague, King Banyan, on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. Every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. for The King Banyan Show. And my friend and colleague Mitch Berg on these very airways, AM 1280, The Patriot. Mitch is heard Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. He is the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance. I am the closer, closing out every weekend, Sundays from 2 to 3 p.m. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Hey, speaking of the Northern Alliance Network, you want to hang out with us later in April? Well, there's going to be an opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be at a uh, get-together, a Patriot event. It's called Overtime with... Hewitt and Gallagher. It's going to be taking place on Sunday, April 29th. Tickets not quite on sale yet. I believe those go on sale this week. So you're definitely going to want to snap up your VIP tickets to, uh, I believe, either Hugh Hewitt or Mike Gallagher are going to have a seats at their respective tables for the VIP dinner prior to the main event. But there's also going to be a Northern Alliance Radio Network table. Oh, yeah. Northern Alliance Radio Network table with myself. Mitch Berg and King Banyan, and I believe there's going to be seven chairs available at this particular table. So once Hugh 
and Mike inevitably sell out their tables because they always do. The big stars of the northern of the uh, AM 1280, the Patriot syndicated broadcast, they always uh, sell out their tables. Uh, there's going to be a Narn table, so be sure be sure to stay tuned to AM 1280 the Patriot and AM 1280 Again, the Patriot event. Overtime with Hewitt and Gallagher taking place Sunday evening, April 29th at the Marriott Southeast. It's the Marriott over there in Minnetonka, I believe, is the uh, is the name of it. So uh, you're going to want to check that out to be sure. Again, go to am1280thepatriot.com and get your tickets as soon as possible because these events inevitably uh, do sell out. Uh, want to get to some uh, in some more news from this past week. And it seems like for the past several Sundays, we've been talking about issues regarding the Second Amendment. And it's I guess it's inevitable, given a high-profile mass shooting that takes place like what took place at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. But this one seems to be carrying on because this is, a, this is going to be a, a very heated debate from here on out. And... As the debate has got more heated, I think it's brought out the worst in both sides, but particularly the gun grabbing side. Now you may say, "Well, you're you're you know you're you're a gun nut, a gun kook, a Second Amendment uh, advocate." Of course, you're going to say that the uh, the gun grabbing side is is more extreme, and um, yeah, they are. They are. I, I'm not not loving my side off the hook. Okay, uh, NRA spokeswoman Dana Lash coming out and saying that the mass that the um, Mainstream media loves mass shootings because it increases ratings. I think was an unfortunate choice of words. Uh, do they exploit the story? Yeah, they do. And do they have an agenda? Yeah, most of them do. Okay? But to say that they enjoy it, they enjoy what has happened, uh, no. I, I, I'm not buying it. Again, I'm not I'm not willing to go there. All right? I say that... Unwittingly, they some of them get higher ratings because of of the exploiting they do. But unfortunately for them, they overplay their hand every single time. I mean, propping up some of these students, these survivors of the Parkland High School of the uh, Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, and exploiting them to further their agenda, flex poorly upon them. And CNN has suffered accordingly. But what really just. Uh, just really made my head spin this past week was an ex- was a response to a lady by the name of uh, Bethany Mandel. Bethany Mandel is a is someone whom I follow on Twitter. She writes for many different publications, The Federalist, The Culturated, Forward. Uh, she's also freelance. She's her work has shown up in uh, uh, the New York Times every once in a while. And this past week, she. Uh, responded to a lot of vitriol that has been directed at conservatives because typically conservatives are staunch Second Amendment supporters. They aren't gun nuts per se. I mean, a lot of Second Amendment advocates may not even own guns, but they believe in the Bill of Rights. Okay? Big difference. Big distinction there. Uh, There are some prominent conservative writers who flat out admit, I've never fired a gun, I don't own a gun, have no desire to own a gun. But guess what? The Bill of Rights ensures that we have the right to protect ourselves as well as arm ourselves in the event that of government tyranny, which hopefully never comes to pass, right? So Bethany came out and she wrote a uh, piece at the New York Times saying, I am a good mother. That's why I own a gun. 
because, of course, some of the inflammatory rhetoric that's directed toward women gun owners is, well, you apparently care more about your guns than you do children. Okay? And Bethany came out and said, hey, uh, I, uh, I am a good mom, and that is absolutely why I own a gun. And here's her story uh, from when she was four years old. This And this is something that stuck with her. My mother heard me screaming in the middle of the night. It was the kind of scream that made her grab her rifle in one hand and some ammo in another. It was a spring night, and I was sleeping with my window open, which was right above my bed. I loved breathing in the fresh air. That night, in that open window, I heard the banging of a ladder. And by the time my mother made it into the room and began loading her gun, a man was about to climb in. She said something along the lines of, Bethany, come over here. I don't want you to get this I don't want you to get his brain matter on your face. I backed up behind her and my mother raised her gun. The would-be intruder slowly backed down the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I bet he did. As he climbed down, my mother approached. The barrel of her rifle was inches away from his face and she told him, "Next time you come here, I won't hesitate." Okay? So that obviously resonated with Bethany. And from what I gleaned from this New York Times piece that she wrote, uh, she never owned a gun until around the 2016 campaign. Again, I'll continue with her story. Over the Republican primary season, excuse me, I was an outspoken conservative critic of then-candidate Donald Trump, and a torrent of hate rolled my way. I would later learn just how much. The Anti-Defamation League named me one of the top 10 Jewish journalists to be attacked by the alt-right during the election season. After years of receiving death threats for my conservative views, months of being attacked by the alt-right, and then having our address published online by the neo-Nazi Daily Stormer, I pushed myself to finally go through the process of asking friends for letters attesting to my character, obtaining fingerprints, and submitting to background checks. I was given a reason to feel that I needed to defend myself and my family, and I acted on it. Okay? Again, this was... Literally, a Jewish woman, a woman of the Jewish faith, being threatened by neo-Nazis. All right? If that's not a textbook case, textbook reason, ironclad reason to have a firearm, I don't know what is. Uh, Literally, a Jewish woman being accosted and threatened, literally, by Nazis. Okay? But this is the problem with gun grabbers. They are so firmly entrenched in their narratives that they have to get all the guns. And again, they they know it's not quite popular or mainstream to come out and say, yeah, we want to ban all guns via the Australian uh, gun confiscation because that's the one model they point to. Australia doesn't have any guns, and, lo- and look, they don't have any crime. Well, again, confiscation is a complete fantasy. Peter Johnson was here just a few weeks ago talking about uh, there's, what, about 300 million guns in circulation, right? Even if law-abiding citizens willingly lay down their guns and give them up in the name of safety— Uh, there's no way you're going to get all the guns. And guess what? Criminals aren't really interested in going through legal channels of obtaining a firearm. So Bethany Mandel wrote this piece of the New York Times, and Shannon Watts, I believe she's with Everytown, some big gun-grabbing organization. And by the way, if you're a gun-grabber and Shannon Watts is the voice and face of your organization, uh, you're doing it wrong, okay? And by the way, if she's going to be the face and voice of your organization, you're going to lose every single solitary uh, debate in order to put forth meaningful gun legislation, in your mind's meaningful gun legislation. So that being said, where do I donate to keep Shannon Watts the face and voice of your organization? <clears throat> I digress. 
So Bethany uh, came out and someone, apparently this article, that this column Bethany had written, it was accompanied by a picture of an African-American woman with her child looking to purchase a gun. And someone asked, why is this a picture of an African-American woman with a baby looking for a gun? As if that has anything to do with the article at all. But Bethany just came out and said, um, last time I checked, I'm not an editor, editor at the New York Times. It's a woman and a baby in a gun store. Not sure why race is relevant. To which Shannon Watts replies, because your privilege in feeling that a gun will make you safer is in part because you are white. What? Because Bethany's privilege in feeling that a gun will make her safer is in part because she is white. What? That doesn't make any sense to me. And again, Bethany has... You know, white privilege. This is a woman, Bethany, who I've gotten to know a little bit through social media, who had to take her mother off life support when she, when Bethany was age 16. And then three years later, her, her father hung himself, took his own life. But other than that, hey, life's been hunky-dory, right? Shannon Watts replies to that. Well, again, your skin, your white skin makes you less likely to be at risk as a gun owner, regardless of your hard scrabble background. I guess you don't believe in racism. Again, this if you are a gun grabber and this person, Shannon Watts, is the voice and face of your organization using this convoluted rationale as to why you shouldn't have a gun to defend yourself, please keep trotting her out there to, 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 uh, to tout your cause because you are going to be soundly defeated in this debate at every turn if someone like this is the face and voice of your organization. Disgusting. Disgusting. Again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Bethany Mandel. A Jewish woman being threatened by Nazis. They posted her address in a neo-Nazi publication. And you're telling me that she shouldn't have a she shouldn't be able to own a gun? Seriously? I, I'm just so floored by this rationale. And again, the mere fact that there's a possibility somebody has a gun. It's you know, Louis Denard, he was on with Mitch a few weeks ago. He's with the uh, African American Heritage Gun Club here in Minnesota. Basically said, look, I, I, I own firearms, but what? Guess what? I'm not, I'm not one of these people who pretends it's the Wild West and is eager to fire these things. I want them as an insurance policy. Think about it as an insurance. You pay your insurance premiums on, for your car, right, in hopes you never get into a car wreck, in hopes you never have to shell out for car repairs. But if you do, thank God you have the insurance. And having the gun is the same thing. I, I never desire to have to fire a gun. If I owned a gun, which I may or may not. But in the event that there was a threat to my loved ones and to me personally, I'm glad I would have it as an insurance policy. And guess what? You know, Mitch has told this story many a times when he lived, uh, I forget where he said he was living 30 years ago, where all it took was him just doing that, you know, the click click of the gun and whoever was breaking into his home quickly exited. All right. So it serves as an insurance policy. So I, I, it just it's stunning to me how this person, Shannon Watts, is is continued to be held up as some sort of credible voice for gun control. But again, if 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 this is the person that you are selecting for your movement, uh, tell me is there some sort of GoFundMe page or something that I could tout? Because I will gladly contribute. Because 
it makes our job that much easier for those who are pro-Second Amendment advocates. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show, hashtag NarnShow. Back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Desde niña me imaginé esta vida Cruzando retos para llegar a mi AM 1280, The Patriot. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Grab a cup of coffee and help Gallagher's Army at Lucky Station. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. You know Gallagher's Army provides financial assistance to the families of fallen officers when they need it most, as soon as a tragedy occurs. When you buy a cup of coffee at any Lucky's Station convenience store, they're going to make a donation to Gallagher's Army, the Fallen Officer Fund. There's a Lucky's Station store in every corner of the metro. Find them online at luckysstations.com. That's luckys with an S, stations with an S, dot com. Cups for cups from Lucky's Stations. I was skeptical when I heard that your family bank could help me pay off my mortgage and get out of debt in under 10 years with my current income. Hi, my name is John. I'm a Patriot listener and a financial executive here in town. As such, I understand numbers. Using your family bank, my family will go from a $292,000 mortgage with 22 years remaining and $40,000 of additional debt to being totally out of debt, including the mortgage, in 9.8 years. We'll save $103,000. If you don't have a program which will get your family totally out of debt, including your mortgage, in less than 10 years just by redirecting your current cash flow. You need to talk with Daniel of Your Family Bank, who's right here in the Twin Cities. Thanks, John. This is Daniel Altwick of Your Family Bank. My friend, there's no risk nor obligation to find out for yourself. Go to daniel.yourfamilybank.org, click on the Request tab in the upper right-hand corner, and leave your contact information. daniel.yourfamilybank.org. That's daniel.yourfamilybank.org. With very few investors still wanting outdated products like mutual funds or variable annuities, what are people turning to? They're turning to America's Investor Advocacy Show, Financial Fortitude. Hi, I'm Dale Creed Francis. And I'm Ryan Litvin, and we have shared unbiased information for years right here on The Patriot. It's information people need to know, like the latest innovations, including protection vehicles, growth vehicles, income vehicles, and hybrid strategies. Make your reservation for our listener appreciation dinner coming up in just a few days. Go to financialfort.com or call 612-999-1185. The Financial Fortitude Radio Network is committed to serving its community by providing a better set of investment and retirement tools. It's impossible to know what you don't know. The dinner and drinks are on us. We guarantee you'll be amazed at what you learn. It won't change our life if you don't come, but I promise you it can change yours. 612-999-1185 or financialfort.com. Hey, welcome back, AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, I was remiss in not mentioning that uh, we're getting an FM signal. Did you know this? 107.5. If you have difficulty hearing the broadcast on good old-fashioned radio, AM 1280, I got some good news for you. If you're uh, in the downtown area and then west of downtown, like into the West Metro, Plymouth, Maple Grove area, 
FM 107.5, I believe that rolls out next week. You can hear our fine AM 1280 The Patriot programming on FM. FM 107.5. Yeah, definitely want to check that out. Hey, it's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the broadcast today. Want to go to the uh, phones. Uh, is this true? Senator David Osmek is on the broadcast. Senator, always good to uh, talk to you, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, Brad. Say, I wanted to bring something to the attention of your listeners. I'm actually going for an interview on Channel 5 that may air tonight or tomorrow night, uh, highlighting Senate file 1629. Okay. Um and the next time these little kids decide to leave their high school and go marching to the Capitol and run around, you may want to reference that and ask them, you know, do you really believe that we should be stripping funding for school safety resource officers? Should we be firing every school resource officer? Because that's what the DFL wants to do with Senate File 1629. We have a program called Safe, the Safe Schools Levy. And you're, you're able to, every school district can levy up to $36 per pupil unit for school safety, mental health services, that kind of stuff. And it includes police officers or sheriff's officers that come into the schools and our, our school safety officers. Well, in this, in this bill, Susan Kent of Woodbury and on the House side, Ilion Omar and Raymond Dean, last seen trying to take all the guns away from the police over mm-hmm. Minneapolis, yep. want to end and school safety officers in your schools. Folks, they're not serious about school safety. They're serious about gun grabbing. That's what it is. And make sure you look at that bill, folks, because that's what they really believe in. Appreciate it, Senator Osmick. Yeah, yeah, that is Senate File uh, 1629. Uh, that was put together in the uh, uh, 90th legislature, 2017-2018. Yeah, definitely uh, check that out. But that's that's exactly right. And, and we've talked about many a time here that if there's just a possibility that somebody is carrying in a at a school soft target whatever the case may be uh, a spree shooter a mass shooter is less likely to uh, attack that particular venue so yeah and that's not to say that they're even carrying that doesn't necessarily mean that that school resource officer even has a weapon on him. They just want the school resource officers gone out mm. of schools. Okay. That's what they want to do. And, I mean, school resource officers aren't just there to provide security. They're also there to make sure that, you know, kids aren't beating up other kids. Right. That they're teaching them right from wrong. They're helping them not go, you know, do, go into drugs and things like that. They're involved in the D.A.R.E. programs that are in schools. So these, this, the, I would like to say that the DFL is misguided. But no, I think they're intentionally, they intentionally want to do this, especially when you have a guy like Raymond Dean who wants to disarm Minneapolis's school, I mean, disarm Minneapolis's police force. I mean, what, what are they supposed to do, issue, uh, issue no-no pledges or, 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 or wave a baton at them? I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I appreciate the call, Senator Osmick, uh, for checking in and for that uh, valuable nugget. Again, uh, Senate file 1629. Uh, I I just want to uh, bounce off something that Mitch was uh, w- was talking about yesterday. You know, uh, Senator Osmek uh, uh, just alluded to like some Raymond Dean and Ilhan Omar, uh, some of these far left metrocrats. And you know, Mitch brought up the fact that Lori Sturdivant, uh, who's a columnist with the Star Tribune, always pines for the days of yore when uh, the GOP, the Minnesota GOP, was nothing more than than uh, a Democrat who wore a nice suit. 
basically they walked arm in arm with the DFL and they compromised and and got along and were willing to reach across the aisle, unlike the extremists that populate today's uh, Republican Party. And here here's something that I and I doubt Lori Sturdivant listens to this to this broadcast. But if if someone out there knows Lori Sturdivant, maybe you could pose this question to her and get back to me. Uh, the metrocrats that I just alluded to, someone like a Raymond Dean or Ilhan Omar or uh, Senator Ron Latz, who went to Harvard. I don't know if he's mentioned it in the past uh, 30 seconds. Um, people like that. Would today's DFL metrocrats, would they be able to fit in to the DFL's, DFL of your Lori Sturdivant, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when everybody was, you know, Peace, kumbaya, walked arm in arm, and advanced legislation forward. I mean, again, this, this, this I, I, I just, I, I roll my eyes and bang my head on the, uh, on, on any available desk or table whenever I hear, well, the Republicans there are so extreme. Not even someone like Ronald Reagan could get, could get uh, nominated as a head of a head of a, today's Republican Party. They're so extreme, and, and and I'd like to ask you, what about what about these? What about an avowed socialist like Bernie Sanders, who was a contender for the Democrat nominee for president in 2016? Or the DFL Metrocrats, some of the names I, 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 just, I just ticked off there. Would they be able to, uh, would, you know, if those are, people are the face of today's party, would someone like, uh, like a John F. Kennedy, who's more conservative on some domestic issues, would he be able to get nominated? to a statewide election as as the face of the Democrat Party? That's a rhetorical question. We know the answer to that. But if we're going to keep harping on the GOP being so extreme, why are we just completely ignoring uh, the Democrats and how far left they're becoming? Again, another rhetorical question. Hey, AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. I am glad to have been joined by you today, folks. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. Closing time. Turn all of Don't miss Sandvold Financial Group's Money Talks radio show here every Sunday morning at 9. Sandvold Financial Group is independent of Questar Capital Corporation, member FINRA, SIPC, and Questar Asset Management. The world is a more dangerous place now than ever before. So who do you trust for security at your business or for your next event? Here at AM 1280, The Patriot, we trust Midwest Protection Agency. Their staff is highly trained, incredibly professional, and provides services such as executive protection and transportation, corporate security, and workplace violence security services. To contact Midwest Protection, visit them online at mwprotection.net. That's mwprotection.net. Do you have sleep apnea? Are you tired of dragging your big, bulky CPAP device with you whenever you leave home? Yeah, well, I was too. That's why I'm so glad I called to try the Transcend Mini CPAP for 10 nights. I can't imagine living without it now. My Transcend is about as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. That's less hassle to carry than my shaving kit. Plus, I was able to add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. But hey, that's not all. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, which means I can finally sleep comfortably while flying. Heck, I can sleep comfortably anywhere now. So if that all sounds good to you, call now to give Transcend a try. You'll be glad you did. Now you can try Transcend and sleep comfortably for 10 restful nights with a money-back guarantee. Just pay return shipping. So call minicpap.com now. 
1-800-915-9272. Again, that's 1-800-915-9272. Hi, everybody. Randy from RB's Computer Service. Let's talk managed services. Managed services is when you let a company like ours take over the responsibilities of keeping all of your computers and servers protected and running efficiently. We keep your systems patched, keep antivirus protection on all of your systems, provide a way to filter out much of the malware, manage your backups, and most of all, keep you up and running. This is no easy task and takes you time. Time is money. If your server or even an important computer goes down, can you afford this? Let us take care of all this for you and you can stay focused on being profitable. And don't forget, we also fix your PCs, Macs, cell phones, and tablets, too. Call us today at 763-441-3884. Once again, 763-441-3884. Or find us on the web at rbsmn.com. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. AM 1280, The Patriot, and iHeartRadio. They go together like Bono and The Edge. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. AM 1280, The Patriot is W.